All right. Uh, so, Mark, uh, I've hit record. So I think you, we're ready to get the podcast. No, going. are you sh- are you sure you hit record? Yeah, I no, it's got the light up there. Oh, so okay. the question for you is: Can you uh, do the intro music now? Uh, I we, licensing. I think we didn't, we didn't get any licensing. You can't just have music. Yeah, but your job was to get the 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 music. Oh, but I thought we had to get the licensing first. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's why we're calling this a pilot episode. Apparently, this isn't even. This is like maybe a reboot or whatever. Uh, so, so expect some technical difficulties as we work all this out. But I see without the music, it's hard. Okay. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, so I'm Rob Beeler, uh, and this is our the Beeler Cast, and we're um, we're going to try to take late night talk show to the podcast uh, world in our space. Um, why? Don't know came to our minds. Let's do it. And um, I want to introduce kind of the team that's going to be kind of regulars on here. Uh, Mark Verone, who you'll hear me refer to as the, as the machine. Uh, the machine, uh, you know, is someone I've known for a long time. I trust with things. Obviously, the intro music was a little bit, so I'll work I'm, on it. I'm, I'm taking some notes. I also just want to say for anyone that's listening that um, Mark texted me last night to say that he has 30 minutes for this podcast, right? So in other words, first podcast, what we've been talking about for quite some time, and he allotted 30 minutes. So I've, I've never heard a podcast where someone drops out. But, and, and, yeah, but in all fairness, you did say we we're going to stick to like 15 minutes. So I'm actually giving you an extra 15 minutes. Well, not us. Like the whole thing is going to be longer than 15 <sighs> minutes. It's right. ad- okay. All right. I'll block my calendar again. I'm sorry that everyone has to hear kind of the laundry here and stuff like that. Um, my uh, collaborator uh, on all things Beeler Tech is Melissa Chapman. Uh, she'll do her part of uh, one, probably keeping the ship at least going in the right direction. I don't know, Melissa. You decide what your role is. That's how we work best. You you just decide and pick one that. We'll see um, what we need. Th- exactly, and then. Uh, my nephew and, and a Beeler Tech social person is uh, Nicholas Treveri. Uh, Nicholas is mute. So not the best person to add to a podcast because he doesn't actually speak. But that's okay, Nicholas. <laughs> we're going to look to you from time to time and you can try. All right. So, but anyway, Nicholas is coming, is new to the industry. That actually might really help us. Um, Nicholas, you can flash the signal of like, you all are using words that no one has any idea what you're talking about. So like that, you, you add that to it. So I want you to do that. So anyway, um, (laughs) format for this going forward is really going to be that we're going to have guests, uh, multiple guests, but we didn't really like, I had to work with someone that I knew who like was going to be comfortable without throwing them completely under the bus here. So uh, my good friend Shiv, uh, is joining us as our first guest. Anything out of this that you just go like, what that you don't associate with Shiv, you associate with Beeler Tech. Okay. So let's just make sure from a branding perspective, nothing bad happens to Shiv unless he says it himself specifically. And I will try not to work into that. Now, what does Shiv do? Um, Shiv, I'm not even going to allow you to talk about your business. Uh, my theory, of course, is that if your your business is awesome, you shouldn't be the one that actually has to say it's awesome. U of Digital is doing digital marketing education, a much, much, oh my God, so needed in our space to get education done well. He's got a network of experts that he works on. So it's not just 
one take on these topics. He just works with companies to put together training programs. I've participated. I've helped. I've tried to help. I he's helped me. So it's it's been great. Shiv, did I did I misspeak on anything in terms of what you do? You nailed it. Thanks, Rob. Right. Thanks for having me on. You got it. You got it. Awesome. Well, one of the things that so Shiv Shiv does this education stuff, but he's completely missed the bus and one thing that he he should do. Uh, he has this newsletter uh, that you could subscribe to um, off of his site. And one of the best pulling together thoughts about things that are going on in the business. So I will say, I honestly read less of the trades so that I can spend more time reading Shiv stuff because he kind of summarizes it all in one place. So Shiv, I got a feeling you might be making multiple, again, your call, multiple, um, visits to the podcast as things break. I mean, we even had some stuff break today that we will get to. So it's, I love it. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, and thanks for having me on. Uh, this is an awesome format. I'm excited to see how goofy we can get. So, uh, yeah, let's do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get into that and just to kind of set this up, um, Mark, where do you buy your DSPs and do you, do you look to a Walmart to buy a DSP? Is that where you would look for a DSP? I, I mean, I might start there or, you know, I might, I might look at all, uh, you know, all the online. I might go to, I don't know. I just Google it and look it up. You know? I, I'm waiting for there to be a DTC DSP, right? So it's, it's like your own, like, well, honestly, Rob's DSP sounds good to me. Like well, a, I, I mean, DSP. if you, if you, sorry, I, I, if you get really specific though, and you want to talk about this, Walmart actually went shopping for their DSP too. Ooh, I like that. That's actually a really well-played well machine. I like that. I like that. So no, of course, we're not talking about buying a DSP from Walmart, Walmart, launching a DSP. Shiv, you, you were, you've been kind of following this. I'd love to get your take and get us up to speed on this. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, it was first announced, uh, I think in January, that Walmart would be selecting the trade desk, which for those of you that don't know. Uh, the Trade Desk is one of the largest DSPs in our industry. Um, and they actually, I think they had a bake-off between Xander and the Trade Desk. And that news broke late last year. So in January, they announced they're moving forward with the Trade Desk. And then a few weeks ago, they announced that their version of Walmart plus the Trade Desk DSP would be launching in the fall. So uh, what does that all mean? Well, it means Walmart decided that they're not going to build their own DSP, that they're going to white label a DSP. They're going to white label the trade desk and then kind of put their own stuff into it and go to market and say, this is now the Walmart DSP. And so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here, right? Like, first of all, the fact that Walmart decided to white label and not build, fascinating, right? Because everything that we've seen in the space up until that big major kind of point was that Whenever a big brand or a new strategic was getting into the space, they were either buying or building their own tech. But here you have Walmart white labeling tech and Walmart's obviously massive. So that's interesting. Um, second, they're obviously going after what Amazon's doing, right? And so like Amazon was very early, five, six, seven years ago, they launched their DSP. And what Amazon's obviously done really well. They're the third largest player in the space now. And so Walmart's saying, well, look at what they're doing. We could do that, but maybe we can do it better, right? And I think the interesting advantage that Walmart has is they have in-store data, 
right? So like, I know everybody loves to talk about e-com and how big it is. It is absolutely huge. And it is, you know, one of the, the largest growing sectors in our country, but Hey, guess what? Most people still shop in stores, right? Um, I think I saw a stat that e-com now represents 15% mm. of all sales in the country, not 50, not 75, 15. And you know where people shop in stores the most is Walmart, right? So if they can figure out how to bring their data from in-store into the platform, I think they have a really interesting opportunity. So that I'll, I'll stop there. I'll tee, I'll tee it up like that. There's a yeah. lot of nuance here on like how they're going to present it, how they're going to sell it, how they're going to compete all that good stuff, but I'll stop for a second. Well, I think, I think there's a, a part of, first of all, thank you for that. It's perfect. Right. And I think that there's a aspect of like how rich that data is, what they have to work with. And I'll, I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought about the fact of now, you know, about the fact that people in store and factoring that into it. Now there are literally websites about people in Walmart and what they're wearing and, and the craziness of the Walmart audience. So I'm, I'm sure the segment of like, you know, um, batshit crazy, like I'm looking for batshit crazy consumers, Walmart might have them, um, right? You know, as well as other things. Great, I've already, I've already got us in trouble, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> your, your, your moral compass part, Melissa, you didn't sign it, you didn't do it quickly. We need to do a seven second delay. All right, well, we've lost Walmart as a potential, uh, potential sponsor. Um, but no, like, can you talk to the fact that retailers are sitting on so much data? Um, and I know Mark, a machine, you got some some thoughts on that as well. But Shiv, like, how does that play into other brands and how they will use that as a DSP? Yeah, I mean, so the 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 idea, right, of a Walmart coming to market, and this this is what we've seen. You know, Amazon obviously got it started, but over the last few years, we've seen a lot of retailers jump into online advertising, right? So. Target, Best Buy, Costco. Um, I saw, I think the Dollar General store or something has their own uh, ad tech thing now, right? So like all these consumer facing retail brands are rushing into to digital advertising because as e-com grows, right? They have an opportunity to provide kind of a retail media offering to brands, to CPG advertisers online, which is an amazing area of growth, right? If you think about, um, you know, let's say you're Tom's, right? Or uh, the, the toothpaste company, or let's say you're like Campbell's Soup. Uh, you've advertised your whole existence. You've advertised in grocery stores by saying, hey, give us the primo shelf space. Give mm -hmm. us the end caps. Those are the spots we want, right? Because we want people to pick up our products as they're going to check out. What's the new version of that? Well, it's online when you're about to buy something and you see a big ad and you're like, buy this instead or buy this in addition to what you were going to buy. And those are ads. Those are paid placements. And as there's a rush into e-com, as users go into e-com, these brick and mortar stores are saying, well, we have an e-com offering, right? Which is really cool. And we can start creating these placements. But what's even more cool is we can use data from in-store, right? So we can kind of figure out what people are buying in-store, uh, what they're looking at, their purchase history, all sorts of, you know, what, what stores they're visiting, the geographic data. And we can bring all of that into an online platform and create this omni-channel type of view for a brand, right? Which is super, yeah. super powerful, right? So that's that's the angle. And obviously, like, again, Walmart is positioned to technically do it better than anybody because they have the most in-store data of anybody. I, and I see this move of retailers becoming publishers, right? 
and and the publishers becoming and uh, building out e-commerce solutions. And so it's really interesting to see these two particular groups are going to start to have more things to talk about, right? Because as, sure. as you think about first-party data, you think about all these things, right? As a brand, as a as you know, again, a, a Walmart. If I have people coming to me, and this is a stretch, but if they were coming to me as Walmart to get news or get information, say even weather around the store, like there's a number of different plays there. How is that any different than what a normal media company is doing to some extent, right? Creating that experience, holding people longer to serve them ads along with the e-commerce purchase funnel that you're going down. And then I think you're just going to see publishers doing the exact exact same thing. So I think it's going to be really interesting to, to pull those groups together and start to go like, how do you do retail better? That'd be the message from the media company and the media company, you know, and the media company going like, how do I do that better? Like, it's just, I think it's going to be a, a really kind of interesting thing. Question. Yeah. Mark, I see you formulating something there. Yeah. Well, no, I was just thinking like, you know, cause it's interesting. Like Amazon sitting on a mountain of data, but then they started going into the bricks and mortar space. Right. And they're doing it in, in three areas. Right. So they've got their like quick kind of Amazon go stores. They've got Amazon fresh, and then they also own whole foods. But if you take if you take a step back, you know, I'm, I don't shop at Walmart very often um, unless I need to pick something up. I, I tend to be more of a target, you know, but I, I, I shop at our local grocery stores around here. Listen and to they, Mark over here. He's Mr. Target. He's Target. 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 Uh, we drive right past the Walmart, which is I, I, I don't have a Walmart close to me. So so that's part of the challenge. Right. So but I have two targets next to me. So I think one of the things that that I that I don't know if Walmart has a loyalty program, but it seems as though all these retailers, a lot of them, especially in the grocery store side, have all they've all jumped into the the loyalty space for years. They've been doing they've been collecting data. They know what you buy. They know how much you buy. They're sitting on a mountain of first party data that you know, that, that I don't know that they've been leveraging. And even prior to this, there was Catalina systems that, you know, that spit out the coupons and, you know, had those, those things to try to get the competitive. If you bought YoPlay yogurt, they'd spit out one for Dan. And so I think, I think there's an, a, an interesting mix of things that have been happening in retail, but I think that what really kind of has propelled them in the last year, this, I think the pandemic definitely propelled them into e-commerce big time because now everyone's doing online ordering and grocery, but then they're still doing stuff inside the store. That's pretty, pretty interesting too. So I, I don't know, you know, extending beyond Walmart, it's, if you start to look at retail media in general, there's, it's just been huge growth in the last year and everyone's been announcing stuff. Yeah. I read, I read, um, one stat that I saw was that, of course, e-commerce grew with the pandemic, but Amazon's share did not grow. It actually shrank, which means there is opportunity for others to, to play. My question, uh, Shiv, for you, um, just thinking about this. Okay, so one launches a DSP as one does. I mean, I, you know, I, guess, I guess if you're in a, the Target demographic you may not think about such things but like so for some of us we think about like how do we launch our own dsp uh when it comes to usage from a brand right i i would sit there and go immediately obviously this walmart data is unique powerful i'd want to do that but i also also work with other dsps i've got my agencies working with that and so forth it feels like another piece that you kind of have to connect in first like is that 
is that barrier to entry to going like, you know what, let's put pull Walmart and its DSP into our mix. Difficult, easy, something that like, again, like there's going to be some engineer that goes like, what are we doing? Oh crap. Now I got to, you know, I, I almost think of like the DSPs, like the old, the old, uh, of course I'm doing a visual joke now uh, on a podcast. Right. But just the old, you know, the old telephone things, right. Of plugging in and going, okay, I got to get these pieces together. Pretty much ad tech works that way. I'm curious if you were working with someone, they said, we, we want to add another DSP to the mix. Hard, easy. How does yeah. That so uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think so. A few things, first of all, if you're a CPG advertiser that sells your products at Walmart, it's a no brainer. You have to do it, right? Like you're going to do it. Um, so that's, that's like, and that's where they're going to start, right? They're going to sell to those advertisers and that's how they're going to get traction. So I think it's a no brainer for those guys, even if the integration is hard. Now, I don't know the specific answer to your question, Rob, because what's interesting about this story is that Walmart is white labeling the trade desk, right? So if I don't know the answer to this, but trade desk is very kind of, uh, it's used a lot, right? A lot yeah, of buyers yeah. use the trade desk. It's the, the most popular independent DSP out there. And I don't know the answer to if I already use the trade desk and I want to use Walmart's version of it, what does that look like, right? Because I already have a log into the thing right. and I know you need to slap your own label on it, but do I really have to do something else, you know? So I, I don't know the specific answer to that. And I'm sure they've thought about it. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure they've, uh, hopefully figured out how to make it somewhat frictionless for those types of buyers. Um, but, you know, onboarding a new DSP is not always easy. You got to negotiate rates. I'm sure some of that stuff will still have to happen, even if the integration is a little bit easier. But I do think that this is maybe one of the reasons Walmart's gone mm -hmm. down this path, right? Of like, hey, we know that this is a cluttered, fragmented market. We know that there's not room for a new DSP. So why don't we do kind of a pseudo version of it, right? And I think that's a very smart strategy, right? Because everyone in their mother is trying to launch DSPs all the time. Buyers are actually consolidating, right? Buyers are using less and less platforms over the last few years. This space is maturing. You know, if you're launching 13, Media Math was launched in 2007. So it's for 14 years out, right? From when the first DSP came to market. So like, you got to be smart about how you're going to get traction. I think that's part of their, their reasoning here. I, I agree. I you would think, again, without us, either of us kind of knowing the answer of whether it's just a, suddenly going to show up in, in trade desk, you know, or whatever, but you would think that at least some of the elements have already been worked out, again, versus someone throwing another version, which again, like speed to market, right? All these things could, could definitely be there. Um, oh, look at the timing of this announcement, <laughs> right in time for Q4. Gee, you know, like some of these things start to line up. So I think that that's, that's, a, that's a huge... That's a huge thing. Um, yeah, I think I think that that's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And I, I'll, I'll just be kind of curious as the Walmart strategy as it as it is with others now with this, right? Do you? I mean, again, we see this with Amazon. You got to work with us in this way. How much will Walmart kind of create its own walled garden, and what size will that be with all of this? But so. they do that. They do that today. You know, so if you're if you're a if you're a brand 
you have uh, office space in Arkansas. You know, you're you're hanging out and and you're negotiating with Walmart every single day to get your stuff in the stores. And you you made a reference to it earlier. I mean, you know, brands have been have been you know in this position where you know retailers have been shaking them down for years for slotting fees and shelf space and end caps and merchandising so so a company like Walmart with their massive scale and size both online and offline you know yeah brands have to be there but at what cost at what price you know for someone that allotted only 30 minutes for a, a podcast um you know with with a guest like Shiva you have you've added a lot to this conversation machine tonight I do actually appreciate that. Yeah, well, I still have nine minutes to go. Yeah, I understand. So with those nine minutes, actually, let's do this. Let's make a, a I was going to say we could get our musical uh, person on this to give us a little music for segments. So maybe this is a segment. we got a couple of topics um, that we told Shiv. He actually already said one of them he didn't care for as much. That's okay. Um, as of like half an hour, an hour ago, we have this announcement about Apple and Epic. Um, we could talk about that, Mark, in the nine minutes you have left. We have obviously Google regulatory, there's some DOJ stuff going on there. We have Nielsen. Uh, we have any number of topics, Mark. You've got, you get, you allotted us nine more minutes, Mark. What, what would you like for uh, us to talk about with Shiv? Well, I mean, Shiv's, Shiv's our guest of honor on the pilot episode. So I, I'm going to defer to him. Well, he gave me a full hour. He's like ready to say, like, he's he just at some point just, you know, I'm going to stop and then I get hit record. You're the one that gave me the time. Anyway, anyway, what should we, what should we, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about the Apple? Apple um, thing? Yeah, let's it, talk about Apple. I mean, it's, it's timely, right? So uh, hopefully the people can get some, some timely value out of it. If we talk about it now, or we're just not going to know what to say and it's going to be useless, but let's give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, so I saw that that um, uh, what the I'm I'm going to butcher this to some extent, and I have it in there. But Apple must allow other forms um, of in-app purchases outside of it, something that they were holding dearly to, uh, which you know. And again, I would say the judge felt very short of not. They did not call Apple a monopoly, right? I saw some people comment on that, but you want to be on Apple? Then they proceeded, Rob. They proceeded to say, but. They have exhibited some anti-competitive behavior here. So it's like, I'm just going to, I'm a judge and I'm just going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I'm not calling you a duck, but I am going to say (laughs) that every attribute that I would tie to a duck is what you're doing. I did hear you quacking. You You quacked. Yes, exactly. That's right. So as Apple, um, so what does this mean? What do you, what do you, what impact will we suddenly, is this good? Is this bad? uh, the, I, I read this thing very briefly, ha- like half an hour ago. Um, yep. What's interesting to me is initially no one is happy. No one is happy. Uh, Epic is not happy. Apple is not happy. Uh, the judge is probably not happy. You know, no, no one is happy. Right. So that to me was surprising. My, my, my buddy texted me the article and my first reaction this morning was like, whoa, Apple won. Wait, Apple lost? Wait. Epic one. I'm so confused. Like what's going on here. Right. So um, I think, I think there's some time, time needs to pass for, for us to actually understand like what's happening. Um, Both sides have issued unhappy statements. Uh, There will probably be appeals. Um, I think Apple actually said, this is a win for us because the judge said that we are not a monopoly and there is so much competition in this space, blah, blah, blah. 
So that's interesting to me. Um, listen, I think that this will have some precedence, right? So right now there's a lot going on with big tech and, uh, and antitrust, right? There's open lawsuits against Facebook and Google and obviously Apple while this one is closed for now, but, um, and there probably will be one against Amazon at some point too, right? And so, you know, in the past, what's interesting over the last few months, we've seen a lawsuit thrown out against Facebook by the FTC for technicality reasons, but then it was refiled, right? And now Lena Khan, who's Biden's appointee for the head of the FTC, we know she's a very aggressive big tech critic. She's in charge now. So she wasn't in charge when the Trump administration filed uh, the initial lawsuit, but she's in charge now. And she's going to, she's probably going to do a much better job, right? So um, Facebook's lawsuit's back on the docket. Google now had, it was huge news a few weeks ago that the whole ad tech lawsuit that the Texas AG had filed last year, um, that lawsuit has now been escalated to, to, to the DOJ level, right? So the Department of Justice has now sued Google for the same ad tech stuff. Whereas before the federal suit against Google was more focused around search. So long story short, what I'm trying to say is this lawsuit is the first time that big tech, right? Even though it seems kind of like a nah, nothing burger in a way, no one's happy. This is the first time that I've seen in recent memory that big tech is actually getting slapped on the wrist for antitrust reasons in a meaningful way. And so that's interesting to me, right? Because will there be a snowball effect with the Facebook, with the Google lawsuits? Will this just get harder and harder and harder for them? And I, I think, you know, aside from several hundred thousand people that work at those companies, I think everybody else would be pretty excited about that, frankly. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, it's interesting. It it definitely is, and and it's amazing. Amazing. Well, one, I think my my one point is that uh, for the for us regulars, we're gonna get smarter for our guests. Like, there's a part like you 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 pull that together quite quite well. Uh, there is a part of this right of just thinking about governments and the tools they have to control corporations. And this corporate structure that outguns them, right? You just from from the, you know. So think of it. You know, one of the things I thought about as you were talking about it is the way that suits go up the ladder all the way up, whether to be the Supreme Court or somewhere short of that or whatever. Along the way, a lot of baggage gets added to it to twist things. So to your point, right? Like, and and by the way, just as a as a thing, next week, you know, we're gonna have more Reed coming on and she's going to talk about whether all this privacy regulation is actually leading to people having more privacy, right? Because some of this privacy regulation is not for privacy as much as it's to try to control big tech. And yet doesn't seem to, there seems to be a lot more collateral damage and unintended consequences than anything else. I think I think I was going to name this podcast "Unintended Consequences" would be kind of the <laughs> the, the probably the theme, right? Because it's like that's every single thing that comes out. It's like, well, that's not quite what we meant to have happen. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what this. I, you know, for me, from a digital advertising perspective, again, it's the big tech piece of it and where it falls into that. I don't know that it affects advertising so much, but I do think that as a consumer that I'm used to an Apple app experience and I do so with some level of like, 
hey, I'm going to download this and I'm going to be okay. But, <laughs> right? but I'm not you're... going to lose all my financial data. I'm not going to lose all of that stuff. Now, is that a false sense of security? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm smarter than that and I'm still dumb enough to do it, right? So let's just be clear that like that's happening. But now if I'm wind up going off outside the app store to do certain transactions, do I feel better as a consumer or do I feel like, and at the same time, if I did feel safer, am I really good with like, you know what, Apple, here's the internet. You decide what it should be, right? Because that's kind of what's at stake here, ultimately. I don't know. or, Or flip it around if you're a publisher that has an app right? And you make money from that app or those subscriptions, that absolutely matters to you because you're already paying a large percentage of your revenue into Apple and Google for that privilege of staying in that walled garden. So do you make your download of your app a buck, but then there are ways that you're going to route people to go and pay 15 bucks, which is what you actually want to have happen. And then does Apple just get the 30% off the buck, the off the dollar versus the other piece? interesting i have um mark i know you have to leave my friend so do you have any any well you know if you, yeah i do I, you know i have a the, gazillion things to say i know i got a bunch of stuff to, i do have to run <laughs> and i know rob's cheering about that but hey look when you google epic and apple just those two words right a bunch of headlines come up but i think my favorite one is on the verge epic versus apple judge rules Fortnite's peely can appear naked in court peely's just a banana man after all so on that note, hey, great seeing you guys. Thank you, Shiv, for the uh, inaugural pilot episode. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Yeah, th- thanks. Thanks, thanks Mark. Part, I'm part-time. Buy the machine. <laughs> buy machine. See you later. <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, Rob, can I keep going on this Apple thing for a minute? Yes, I have absolutely. Like... Well, no, see, now we're free of any time constraints <laughs> because the, the, you know, again, a co-host that only gave us 30 minutes for, you know, fine. Yes, please, please. Pontificate. Wait, but before I go on, uh, on my rant, did uh, Mark tell you he had a hard stop? <laughs> I just, I just hate it when people say they have a hard yeah, the, stop. Yeah, the, the hard a, stop, the hard stop. Yeah. I, I, use I just a, hate bis- business jargon. Just, you know, I use it all the time too. I'm guilty of it. But like, yeah. you know, it's like, why are we talking like this? Why are we, well, why are we saying some of these things? I, I would say my, my, my thing is when someone goes, oh yeah, I understand you have to go, but like one more thing. And you're like, I literally gave you that warning so I could get off so I could do the next call. You now, yeah, yeah, so exactly. One more thing, just one more quick thing. Yeah, that always winds up, I want to pay, and by the way, I do it too. So, shoot. Hard stop. Um, yeah, so here, here's some some interesting thoughts. And actually, you you piqued my my um, my interest in kind of the, the comment that you made, which was how does this impact advertising, right? And I think the very kind of quick cursory view of it is, well, it doesn't really, right? Like, how does it really affect advertising? I don't think it does. But if you think about um, everything that's happened with Apple and the IDFA stuff, right? So Apple obviously moved IDFA to opt-in. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion about, okay, well, Apple is moving IDFA to opt-in to disincentivize publishers to monetize using advertising because advertising in apps, they don't get a cut of it, right? They don't get their 30%. Right. Right. And so if they get rid of the IDFA, well, app developers are going to do more in-app purchases, going to charge more for downloads. And that'll, you know, that'll line Apple's pockets with that 30% fee. But now if we're headed in a direction where the judge is saying, well, listen, Apple, you can't 
take 30% on all this stuff all the time. And people can offer alternative payments. That's an interesting development, right? Because it's like, wait, did that kind of backfire a little bit or not necessarily backfire, but did that not work out how you thought it was going to work out Apple? And Apple, Apple starts to go, you know what, this whole privacy, not having the ads work direction we've been going in suddenly flips. I I think you're hundred percent onto it. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's fascinating to me. (laughs) Like it's going to see, it's going to be interesting. Like, Listen, I doubt that they backtrack from the IDFA stuff. I highly, highly doubt it. But I wonder if some people at Apple headquarters, you know, in Cupertino are sitting there being like, oh, no, (laughs) this totally went like the other direction. You know, like this is not going to work. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Let's see if this whole thing. See, this is the part that we have to start to lay the, you know, plant the seeds of, right? A year from now, what is Apple's strategy around advertising? And was that a result of this particular judgment is, is something to sit there and give it some thought. We can, again, guess about it, but the, the part of it is to kind of watch to see if, um, the, and so wait, so if Apple then goes back and starts to do allow more, uh, you know, I mean, you can't really pull back from the privacy piece, right? That's not going to happen. But, but Rob, Apple has been saying, hey, we're going to, you know, we know that IDFA going away hurts a lot of people. So we're going to create mechanisms that we control more that will still enable you to do some ad stuff, right? Like the whole SK ad network thing, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so do they now maybe accelerate some of their, hey, we can now enable attribution. We can now enable cross app tracking in certain areas. And then how do they play into that, right? So, you, you know, Apple and Google, all these companies figure out how anything that happens, they figure out how to play it in their favor. They will. They're the smartest people in the world, right? Yeah. They'll figure it out. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, like, so, so one of my predictions is I think, you know, right now we have the triopoly, Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple's out there um, with their privacy crusade saying, these companies are bad. They target you. Um, all this stuff is terrible. And in the past, they've been pretty anti-advertising, right? But if you look at some of their moves in the last six months to a year, not coincidentally at the same time as IDFA going away, they've been beefing up their ad stuff, right? They've been hiring a lot more aggressively. Uh, They hired, I don't know if anybody saw that big fiasco with the guy they hired who wrote the book with the chauvinist comments, uh, Antonio Garcia. But he was, he was, he's an ad tech guy, right? Like, and they hired him and that, that didn't obviously work out, but. um, Wait, you're saying that they're chauvinist? Are you saying that they're chauvinist and and not the best of all people in ad tech? Are you saying, no. I'm pleading the fifth. I'm not going to say anything about this. All I have right. nothing to I say. I thought I had them, guys. Um, <laughs> I thought I had them with certain name and names. No, I'm not ahead. taking any sides. Yeah, like I'm not going there. Uh, but what's interesting is I believe that in the next three to five years, we're not going to be talking about a triopoly in advertising. We're going to be talking about a quadropoly, right? Like I think Apple is the next big advertising behemoth. And you're seeing like Apple already, no one thinks about it. No one talks about it. Apple already is like a $2 billion, $3 billion advertising business. Yeah. And no one talks about it. And so they're just going to keep it going under the radar and say, eventually when they get big, uh, bigger and bigger, they're going to say, hey, privacy is still really important to us. All of our advertising is way more privacy centric and friendly than those other guys. That's why you should use us. So I think that's yeah. what's coming. I, I think you're right. I think, again, some people even, I think, refer to them as the big four already, though. Typically, 
outside of advertising, just as an overall, how the digital world is being divided up between those major powers and their, you know, again, to your point about uh, business, business phrases that I, I hate and ones I use, you know, they're playing chess and we're playing checkers. Uh, right. But th- that to me, though, is the unintended consequences of the part that I think the most about. Right. Because, again, it's like I'd like to see publishing. I like to see people be able to go, I'm going to invest in creating content and build successful, thriving businesses with that. Uh do I, does that need and have to be fueled by people's personal identifiable information? It shouldn't, right? There should be ways that we can build up the internet, the promise of the internet. But the fact is, is companies have already kind of cornered about how you view the, view the internet in ways that, that, you know, are to their advantage, Apple being one of them, you know? So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this, uh, again, to your point, someone's already written the playbook on the Apple side that said, okay, we knew this could happen. Um, there's a, there's a room, a conference room with a bunch of guys that got like slightly larger heads, you know, and they're just sitting there going like, what happens if this, you know, and there you go. Google as well. Right. You've brought up the here, here comes the next thing of regulation. So let's talk about that. And then, you know, should, we'll let you go. Maybe in all this conversation, you want to go buy something at Walmart or target or, or whatever. DSP. Oh, I would like yeah. to buy DSP. Yeah, go, go, go get segment. your segment on DSP. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take so what, um, t- you have some thoughts about the Google um, and DOJ, what's what's kind of coming, right? You had some talking points to that? And if not, we can yeah. call it, this, this is our pilot episode. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, I mean, uh, just really a high level. Um, I think the fact that, first of all, the, the, the original lawsuit that was brought on by the Texas Attorney General was really well done. So it was the first time that we've ever seen government do a good job of understanding ad tech and actually doing a good job of kind of pulling out the intricacies and the areas where a Google could be anti-competitive. And so um, that was exciting, right? Because in the past, you know, the line has always been in this industry, well, people in DC are never going to understand this industry. And, you know, and, and we've all said that. I've said that too. And then when the Texas AG thing came out, like if you read some of it, you're like, oh, wow, they started figuring it out. Like they talk about header bidding, like, whoa, you know, like that's crazy. So um, the fact that now it's on a federal level is really, uh, it's it's a really, uh, I'd say positive sign for the government and their ability to actually do something. Uh, I think, again, the, the, the fact that, you know, Bi- the Biden administration has demonstrated that they are very motivated to actually take action here. It was, you know, it's part of their agenda. A lot of very vocal people in that administration or even just on the Democratic side of things have been very aggressive about this topic. And what's interesting is so have the Republicans, right? Like um, everyone, there's, there's bipartisan support. So um, I, think, I think this kind of thing could accelerate uh, and it could happen sooner rather than later. Another popular talking point in our industry is like, oh, well, it's going to take years and years and years, right, for anything to happen. And that's understandable because that's been the precedent, right? That's that's what happened with Microsoft in the late 90s. But again, because of bipartisan support, because of kind of like how much of a hot button issue big tech has become just in the public forum, um, I do think that there could be acceleration of some of this stuff. And, you know, my opinion is, you know, like we talked about earlier, Rob, all these big tech companies have tons of contingency plans for everything that could happen. And, you know, my belief is that Google has been very, very mindful 
of uh, what's going on with those, those lawsuits and how they approach privacy. Those things are obviously very intertwined. Um, I think them announcing that they're getting rid of third-party cookies is them dipping the toe uh, uh, into, hey, we want to kind of move into more of an Apple world than we want to be in, in the world that we've been in in the past. Uh, to me, that also demonstrates that they potentially believe that they could get broken up and if they get broken up, they will probably have some optionality and they will probably be able to say, okay, well, let's get rid of the stuff that we care less about. You know, what's the stuff that they care less about? It's third party supporting ad tech. You know, mm-hmm. it's DV360 and the ad exchange and the ad server, uh, not YouTube, not Google search, right? Not Gmail, not, none of those, those things stay. Those are their right. cash cows. Right. So I think they're kind of very slowly and thoughtfully methodically building the playbook to start becoming more like Apple in the case that, you know, uh, they have to break up and spin those things off. And then all of a sudden they can be the big kind of privacy crusaders, just like Apple is and say, cookies are bad, right? Cookies track you across site. You know what you should do instead of that? Buy more Google search, buy more YouTube. We don't use cookies. We just use your email address and all the other information we have about you. Right. So like, that is my, um, I guess my my long story of uh, what I think Google is thinking. No, I, hundred um, percent. And again, I'll use the phrase unintended consequences for those that are in our industry that are rooting and going, yeah, the ad servers like chop that off, make its own thing, make that all competitive. I, you, that's not going to play perhaps the way that you might think it will. I mean, in in many ways, and, and one of the things that is realize that with the ad server right now, how much demand, how much does Google, how much does Google's um, programmatic and, and its channels support publishers right now at the level it is? I mean, again, I, I make the joke that some aspect of header bidding is just to get Google to pay more for my impressions. I need to give a competition so that they outbid so that they win. Great. I get paid. Take that away. Disconnect that right? And cut that in the wrong place. And suddenly I'm like, wait a second, I'm, what are my CPMs could go down or, okay, well, now that we don't have Google, we have to start charging for the ad server. Uh, I was early days with double click. And I remember some of the CPMs for, uh, you know, for ad serving and it would blow your mind, right? Of just like how much you go, oh, yeah, 40 cent CPM, 30 cent CPM, right? Now it's under, you know, a penny, right? What comes- Also, so it's inter- what, what you're presenting is interesting, right, Rob? Because it's, it's kind of like, you know, I guess don't take this the wrong way, Rob, but it's kind of like, uh, are, do you want to make a deal with the devil, right? Yeah. You, right? And it's like, okay, well, if I make the deal, it's going to be better for me at least in the short term, maybe even in the long term, but I've made a deal with the devil and what could the devil do to me? I don't know, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, that's kind of like what you have to weigh um, with the Google stuff. I know there's going to be short-term pain if they get broken up. Like I, it's, it's definitely true, but there may also be interesting long-term positive impact, right? Of, Hey, more innovation, more investment in other types of products and solutions, you know, less inertia, less power that these guys wield. I mean, one, one thing, one of my buddies says this all the time, and actually he might've just gotten it from like Scott Galloway or something, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, these big tech companies, they're, 
they're not trying to interrupt agencies, right? Or disrupt agencies. They're not trying to disrupt like other ad tech companies. Google doesn't care that much about the trade desk. What Google cares about like is, you know, when uh, Eric, uh, I guess Eric Schmidt's not the CEO. Who's the CEO? The the Indian guy. Um, you know, you names? catch me like, I'm like, uh, I don't the know. CEO, Sundar, Sundar, right? So Sundar, right? Sundar's sitting there and he's not like, oh, I got to go get the trade desk. He's thinking about how Google and Alphabet, right? Can go into other sectors, right? Amazon's mm-hmm. thinking about how to get into healthcare, healthcare right? Yeah. And so like, they don't care about ad tech. They're thinking about, okay, like how do I disrupt advertisers? How do I take their piece of the pie, right? And so like, you know, Google... If, if you're an advertiser or a publisher, you're sitting there and you're like, well, they're, they're ad tech wise, they're better for me, but that's where you make the deal with the devil. You know, like we saw this with Amazon. I think some of the, some of the investigation stuff that came up in Congress when they were, when Bezos was there uh, testifying was Amazon was using merchants product data to inform their own version of that product. So right. like, let's say Duracell, you know, sells their batteries on Amazon. Amazon was using data that they were collecting from Duracell's pages on amazon.com to then go build Amazon batteries, right? And like, that that's terrifying, you know? So anyways, um, I yeah. digress. Well, no, that's okay. And you know what? There was a little buzz I heard, which means that was, that was someone else outside of this group saying, Shiv, that's enough time. You can have it. All right. My wife, my wife. Yeah, yeah, my exactly. wife is blowing up my phone. So Nicholas, here's, yes. here's the lessons from today. Okay. This is what, this is what you need to learn. Um, may not be the best thing to create your own DSP. All right. You might want to, to white label something else. All right. Sure. Um, he spoke uh, and he, um, let's see. So what else? Um, you know, if you get just too big, someone's going to come around and try to break you up. All right. I think that mm-hmm. that's, that's a part of the lesson. What other lessons for, for young, young Nicholas that we can impart upon him. What else did we hit on? Um, Stay in school. I think that's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm past school. I've already gone to university. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Nicholas, we're meeting for the first time. So oh, I don't, oh, it's, I didn't know that. that was it's a, fun. I have a very youthful face. It's totally yes, fun. Yes. That's a magic moment. That, that's by the way, when you, <laughs> you know, Nicholas, what you have to do to practice for that is that when you, someone says that to go like, I'm 45. Right. Like you have to do a very dead pan. That's that's the other lesson. Right. Is to how when someone says you go keep in school to say I'm 45 and just watch the reaction. So that's perfectly on. And I'm still in school. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still, still learning. And live it. Yeah. Shiv, thank you so much. This was great. Uh, you'll be back if you'll come back. Uh, again, depends on what that is, but like, really appreciate you kind of pulling that together. Hey, you might even get your own little news segment if that's what you want. Like you start to, you know, like maybe just bring you in and do that kind of stuff and stick around. You can be part of the crew, but really appreciate this. Love this. We'll be, um, can't wait to, to hear reactions to it. So Shiv, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank All you right. guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Shiv. I think the only thing I got for everyone, just real quick, uh, we already got next week. We're looking at Stephen uh, Dove from Waze. So we're going to talk about like how Waze and advertising. So uh, what that looks like. And then uh, we got more of a read uh, talking about the privacy things, which will be kind of an extension of that. We've got some other things in the works. So it's podcasting by appointment. So look at your <laughs> schedules, watch it live. We might even bring people up or not. And wait for it to come out as a podcast and listen to this, you know, uh, you know, hours later. So, Shiv, thank you. Melissa, thank you. Thank you, guys. Nicholas, thank you. Thanks, all of you.
Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody.